Hey kids, welcome to Pierce the Veil number 39. 39 since we started this madness. How incredible is that? Anyway, here we are with me, Robin Pierce. Me, Tess. Me, Stephen Pierce. In an episode which we could subtitle Unveiling the Pierce because today something big happened in the life of co-host Stephen Pierce. Take it away, Junior. I got another tattoo. Another tattoo? Yeah. This is number four. four. So would you like to take our listeners through a, a an audible description of your tattoos so far? Make it come alive for the audience. Paint them a mental picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know why you're laughing. You're doing it in a second. Tip. I know. Yeah. Not. <laughs> right, make a mental note because the, these are epic. The first, I have the Punisher skull, but it's just the outline. It's so the Punisher logo, the logo that he wears on his yeah. front. Okay. I then have Kylo Ren's lightsaber from the sequel Star Wars trilogy. The Excalibur. Yes. That crackling beast. I have the. I then got the Spider-Man logo, but it's more inspired from the Spider-Man game that came out a couple of years ago. So it's a large black spider. Yeah. And it's the to- one he has on his chest. Yeah. yeah. And today I got a tattoo, which is one tattoo, but in two parts. Half Batman, half Joker. Explain what that looks like. You've got the Batman symbol, which is more like the Christian Bale trilogy. The blocky yeah. bat symbol from his chest. And then the rest of the symbol is made up of ha-ha-has, Joker laughing. Yeah. But the ha-ha-has aren't as much, like, block colouring. They're more, like, scrapped, like, scarred in. Scarred in, which makes them look even more insane. But more importantly... Yeah. They start off in symbol of the bat and trail off. Yeah. And also, (laughs) some of them... But to show you know, like it's supposed to be completely insane, some of them are upside down. Yeah. Ah, I didn't notice that actually. Because if they're all the right way round, it wouldn't really work. Yeah. And they look like they've been carved yeah. into your skin because the bat is, of course, a solid black colouring. Yeah. And all of these are practically blood red. Yeah. I, I think it looks awesome. Um, and now, for her reaction, the little madam. You basically have just copied me, though, haven't you? No, he no, hasn't. No, You've got no. nothing to do with the Joker or Harley Quinn on you. Nothing to do with Harley Quinn. Ha ha ha, it's about Joker. Yeah. They can also tie into Harley Quinn. Yes, you may as well say I've got a Batman. Too. You may as well say I've got a Batman tattoo, so that means I've got a Batman and Robin tattoo. No, no. Uh, yeah. Where's your Robin tattoo? Where's his Harley Quinn tattoo? It's his is Batman and Joker. Yeah, but you said Harley Quinn to I me. know I said Harley Quinn because you like Harley Quinn more than you like the Joker. I do, yeah. There we are then. Actually, why don't made. you have a Harley Quinn symbol? I don't know. There was never really... A, the only symbol you had was the Jester sort of um, diamond. Yeah. Mm. Well, you could have a a tattoo of Harley Quinn herself with her mallet or something. Yeah, but... Apparently they're quite common now. 
Yeah, but as well, like, I'm not too sure about actually getting... You've got to get a really good tattooist to be able to replicate... Well, to, to, to be fair, to be honest, I think that the young lady at Great White, Great White in Bethelli named Mary. Mary, who has done his Spider-Man and his tattoo, has done a kick-ass job. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she, 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 if I was going to get another tattoo, yeah, I think I would want to go to her, yeah. But I don't know if I will because you know blood thinners, I tend to bleed and all this. But it's the thing that really got me why I went back was the fact that with the Spider Man one, because it's a block color, they usually need touch up work. Mm. Now I, I just want to in- interject here that we will be publishing photos of your tattoo, yeah. On the, my Facebook page, uh, and on um, Twitter, yeah, uh, where we we introduce yeah and and announce the new episode. So you know if if you're listening um, straight off the website, hit the Facebook page, yeah, and you will see the tattoos of which we speak. Very vivid, very good, very cool. And this was our first unveiling. Of a tattoo on an audible format. Yes, nice. we are geniuses. Now, are you going to take us on a quick little stop tour of yours? Um, yeah, I can do. So, first off, back of the shoulder, block black color, Batman Michael Keaton symbol. Which was the first one that you got? That's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I got uh, just a generic outline of a star shape behind my ear. Um, then it was outline shape of Mickey Mouse above my left ankle and then Minnie Mouse outline shape on my right ankle. The difference here being the fact that Minnie Mouse has the, has bow. the bow in her hair coloured in. Yeah. Which is very effective. Yeah. Uh, and then I probably had my most painful tattoo, which is a blue Hawaiian flower and Ohana written next to it, basically, kind of like worked into it on my foot. Why did you have it on your foot? Yeah, why on your That's foot? one that's never kind of worked out. I just really, that's where I thought it would look really nice. Does it help you differentiate between your left and your right feet? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, right, okay, carry on. Um, and then my last one was Eve on the back of my car. Now, you've just said, Eve, Eve, that's better. Because otherwise, they're going to think that you've just had tattooed on your calf a lady wearing fig leaves and holding an apple. Mm -hmm. So are you planning any more? No, not at the moment. I think that the best idea for you, and we've been suggesting this for years, because you're a big Pixar fan, Eve from WALL-E, doesn't really cut it. Your favourite of the Pixar movies used to be Toy Story. And I think you should have Andy tattooed on the bottom of your foot, just like Woody had. Yeah, so you're one of Andy's toys. Yeah. That would be so painful. It'd be fine. You get it then. 
I'm not a big Toy Story fan. You are. Since when? Yeah, but I don't want Toy Story to twos. You just said you're not a big uh, Toy Story fan. Yeah, I, why would I want to be one of Andy's toys? Why do I want to be one of Andy's toys? Because you're silly enough to do what we suggest. <laughs> you're easily led. I'm not doing it. It'd be so painful. I would not be able to walk on that foot. It's all right. You've got another one. You don't walk that much anyway. I walk more than you. No, I don't think you do. Yeah, I think you do. No, I don't think you do. So, what else has been happening this week? What have you been up to? Now, one of the things that I think that we should be covering is your grand return for the first time in several months to the cinema. To Cineworld. Do tell. Um, so last Saturday we decided to go to cinema. Uh, we went to see Quiet Place 2. It was um, sort of a toss-up between Cruella or Quiet Place 2 and then ended up being Quiet Place 2. Um, but yeah, when we got there, obviously you had to do your um, check-ins. Your track and trace. Yeah, your track and trace. Um, I mean, the lobby was a little bit full of people, but as well, you know, we took, we went in an e- a Saturday evening, so, you know, we were kind of expecting it to be a little bit busier than what it probably has been. Um, yeah, so, did the track and trace, we went in straight away, um, there was nobody sitting behind us, no one sitting in front of us, and then there had to be three or two spaces between us. So I felt what between sick. you and Sean? No, between okay. the other people. Um. So yeah, I felt comfortable enough to go back again, and I enjoyed the movie. So, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you um, what you made of the movie, because going in, we'd seen it a few days before you. I was afraid that it might be an unnecessary sequel. Mm. Um, we got to know a little bit about the creatures, um, that they were blind, that they homed in on sound Mm. from the first film, but a lot of it was in like bits of newspapers and things that they would quickly show in a corner of a screen. So you had to pick your own clues. And I thought if they went for a sequel, which told you, where these creatures came from and why they were here, that would actually kind of weaken them as as a menace. Because mm. I didn't want to get too good a look at them either. And I think the reason for this is, if you go back to A Nightmare on Elm Street, in that first film, before it became a franchise, we always see Freddy Krueger in silhouette or in a shadow. We don't really get a really good look at him, only quick glimpses. And he was so much more menacing than when later he became almost a pop culture icon. Mm. And there were Freddy dolls, Freddy posters. I mean, you know, I didn't want that to really happen to the creatures in A Quiet Place because we don't even know what they're called. And I was afraid that that's where they might be going, where the, the film opened up partly being set up as a prequel but then that was just a flashback and we 
carried on exactly where we left Quiet Place off. And as far as sequels go, I thought it was not bad. It added to, yeah. but didn't take away from, yeah. if, you, if you understand what yeah. I mean. What do you guys make of it? I, I think that there might be, although it's not needed, there could be room to do it into a trilogy. I was thinking that. Um, because it, it does kind of, without going into spoiler territory, it does feel like there would be potential for a third. Yeah. They Yes, yes, especially where they left it off. But again, with a third, the more films they make, the more exposure these things are, are getting, the, yeah. the, these creatures, and the more familiar they're becoming. Mm-hmm. And the more familiar they're becoming, it lessens the impact of their menace. See, I actually like the first Insidious film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not a bad horror film. At all. Where Insidious. Problem... Now, is that the one with the mysterious stain on the wall or something? Nothing. That's, that's dark water. Dark... No, no, it's not dark Sinister water. has a stain. Sinister. Yeah, it's sinister, it's sinister. sinister. okay. Um, Which one's Insidious? It's... Remind me. In that little boy. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's basically the... It's not a haunted house... The family themselves are haunted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that they can't escape no matter what they do. So it doesn't matter where they go. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a little bit like um, the. Um, was it my house? Yeah, but you know, but this was done years before. Oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah. No, I mean the yeah. concept. Um, this is where it really started, and it's a mixture of say. If you were to mix up Paranormal Activity and Poltergeist, mm. you would have Insidious. Oh, yeah, right. Very much. But they've done three or four other films. I haven't seen, but I don't think I really want to because the first one's... The, the, it, it's kind of like Paranormal Activity, isn't yeah. it? The first one is watchable, but once you get to the second, third, fourth, you just, like, quit it. And Paranormal Activity, the found footage film, by Oren Pelly. That's that terrified me because it was such a slow burn, and there's definitely a formula to these because uh, with with Wreck, for example, pretty much the same. You see the demon right at the very end in like a slamming close-up because they they just show themselves to the camera, and that's it. The yeah, you know, that these found footage things, then the film's over. And there's no real resolution. Um, I also found I did an interview with Oren Pelly for Gorzone magazine back in the day. And he was telling me how he had written the film, directed, produced, fine he did it all. And he filmed it actually in his own house. Hmm. And I find that a film that unnerving and you're living where you're filming it. I mean, my own imagination would definitely have got the better of me mm. if I was filming something like that in this house. I don't know that I could film something like that right here and continue to live here because I I might, strange as it sounds, have scared myself out of living in the house. Yeah. See, 
another film series that they're really popular. But I just don't understand during films. Yeah. And see, whereas with those, I would actually be kind of tempted at some point to see the series as a whole. Purely to see if I can actually get my head around as to what are they aiming for? Yeah. Because I kind of feel that that's a series of that's a series that I should be into, but I'm not, and I, I don't understand why. With The Conjuring, when I first saw it, I thought it was nonsense. I thought it was the worst kind of horror movie which relies not on atmosphere, but a sudden blast of music and a shock. Now, I don't cheap mind... Scares, cheap they? scares, Cheap, artless scares. And I didn't like it. And in the end, it was annoying me. But a few months later, I thought maybe I had been too harsh on that film. And I actually went and I re-bought it on DVD. And I played it again in what I thought was a, a, a calmer and more accepting frame of mind. I still hated it. Then we went to see the one about the the doll, Annabelle something mm. or other. Just Annabelle. Just, Just Annabelle. Annabelle, yeah. And I was expecting something like, you know, Chucky or, you know, the little doll that um, terrified Karen Black in Trilogy yeah. of Terror based on the Richard Matheson story. But the doll hardly moved. And I just found it to be a huge disappointment. And I, I really have no tolerance at all for, for, for those films. We saw the one about the nun, and that was also in the same thing about this couple who turn up to investigate paranormal happenings. But, of course, in reality, no, they don't. They turn up several months afterwards. Mm. And also the Annabelle, Annabelle doll mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a, like, as terrifying as checking or that kind of thing. Yeah, they're not even using what the original, what the actual doll. No, it's like a raggedy Ann thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So no, no, you you won't get me watching the Conjuring Three because the devil will not make me do it. One horror film that really, really scared me was um, this is going back ages now. Is was Jeepers Creepers the first one? Yeah, that really got me, especially when they slid down into like the basement sort of thing, and there was just dead bodies on the wall. Because I, I can't remember how old I was watching it, but that really scared me. Don't tell them how old you were watching it, because it makes me sound like a really bad parent. No, I think Mum let me watch it. I think she did. I think she let you watch that on Sky and Passion with her. of the Christ before mm. I had. So, yeah, she's the bad parent. <laughs> okay. Um, we are talking about reboots and stuff like that, which we have done. You haven't told us what you've gotten up to. Well, one of the things that I've gotten up to this, this past fortnight 
as you know. Um, and you haven't told the listeners about your tattoos. Uh, my tattoos? Yeah. I have two. On my right arm, I have a band of barbed wire that goes all the way around. And on my left arm, I have a pair of crossed lightsabers, one red blade, one blue blade. And I had thought of maybe adding something like a Death Star behind it, just to finish it off. But I'm now off that idea ever since we saw The Rise of Skywalker, because the Sith are finally destroyed. And, of course, Rey ascends to being the most powerful um, being, um, Jedi and Sith, by crossing the lightsabers and channeling their power. So I'm thinking, cross lightsabers. I had that on my arm before that script was even written. I don't need a Death Star. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I do a show called Resonance Rewind with Alex Lechuk and a panel on um, Southside Broadcasting. And we look at old TV programs, um, past cult TV programs. And as both of you know, my favourite show of all to now is The Twilight Zone. And a couple of weeks ago, we covered Nightmare at 20,000. Free um, Star Trek William Shatner vehicle as a very nervous passenger who's suffered a nervous breakdown. He is the only person who sees a gremlin on the wing of the plane. I remember that episode. Mm-hmm. It also featured in the Twilight Zone movie of 1983, where John Lithgow took So we were joined on that show by Gary Girani, author of Fantastic Television, TV and movie historian, and we had a great show. High marks all around. Following week, Alex asked us to watch uh, the new reboot of the Twilight Zone, um, produced by Jordan Peele, the the writer director, and in this there was a reworking called Nightmare at Thirty Thousand Feet, and as the titles rolled, it said based on the story and teleplay by Richard Matheson, which indeed was the inspiration for the original episode. And from then on, it kind of went downhill fast. It opened up quite well, I thought. You felt that the character was paranoid, but there was no gremlin. There was an MP3 player that he found in the back pocket told him that the flight he was on had gone missing. It was like a, a historical kind of um, And it felt forced and overly woke. It doesn't sound the same. Well, Not you had this, this white guy and he was just going around bothering other passengers. Mm. And the ones that he picked on all had 
long black beards and could possibly at first glance be taken as you know um al-qaeda and it just came he just came across as one of these insane privileged white women who pick on black people having a picnic in park mm. and call the police and it it was it was messy overly political and it comes as no surprise to me that the series only lasted two seasons um as you know steve yeah. before we watched the program i found out the dvd availability because i thought well i've got the original series you know i've watched them many many times mm -hmm. i've got the 80s remake series and i thought well if this is good i will add these it was just removed from the witness <laughs> and you know like like um billy moomy in it's a good life yeah out of it what did you make out of it, Steve? I, I will not watch another programme or film by Jordan Peele. I... Now, you've watched Get Out. I've seen all of it. But you didn't like that. I've watched Us. That was my first experience. And it was a family who discover clones of themselves, seemingly, trying to take over their lives, take their roles, and there's something quite evil about them. And it became quite a gripping story. But it all unraveled because about 20 minutes from the end, they try to explain everything. And in explaining everything, as was my fear with Quiet Place 2, it unravels everything. Because my issue with Jordan Peele isn't the fact when going back a bit mm. a film called Get Out came out um, I remember I've watched it you have I haven't seen that one uh, I'd be interested in your take on that it was basically it was said to be like one of the greatest horrors of all time and it's like okay right I'll watch it and I, I found it kind of to be a very racist movie. I thought that. Racist in what way? How, say like the police force, mm -hmm. there was no ethnicity at all in the police force. Everyone that the um, black man went up to yeah. was a white cop who wouldn't help or do anything. And, and this is, of course, in the time before yeah. George Floyd yeah. and yeah. the rise of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. yeah, It's essentially a movie about a man and a woman and he goes with her to see her parents. So it's basically then going to be or are in-laws. I can't remember correctly if they yeah. are married or... Were they just partners? I can't remember. And um, because he's of colour... Um, so he's black with a white partner? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then um, 
the family just don't really approve. And, and, Am I correct? Yeah, and, oh, and I've then, been there. And then, um, yeah, but it's all based on. Yeah, color. it's all based on. And race. then basically, somehow, it's basically the white, that either the either the white people get put in black people's body. Or the other I way around. I can't remember. I what? Can't remember. It, 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 it's so like nice. a body swap thing. I kind of see seeing it as kind of like a it, it's like, like the purge movies. It's it's like uh, in the first couple of seconds of the film. You I'm have, gonna be honest with you. I fell asleep. You have a knight run across the screen on this road, mm. and it's like suburbia, and it makes no sense. Mm. It's an awful film. You mean like a knight in shining armor? Yeah. It's awful. Why? Why was there a knight in shining armor running across the road? But it's the entire film. Because I went into because I was. It had nothing to do with race. Yeah. But when Jordan Peele's Get Out came out, I thought, okay. This is supposed to be Look, kind of a new thing in horror. A blockbuster, wasn't yeah. it? So it's like this is going to be you know, a new it thing in horror. Good. It's like right. I have to give this one a go. And us came out in another film blockbuster. Like, we saw that at the yeah. cinema. It's like you, you've pressed this one up again. It doesn't matter to me what color or ethnicity a writer or a director is. If it's a good film, it's a good film. If they want to have a, if it's a bad film, it's a bad film. Mm. They want to have a predominantly, say, black cast and a film to be done really well. Mm-hmm. Look at Spiral. Yes. Yes. Spiral is how you do it. New Soul movie. Right, okay. That is how you do it. Get out, you just don't look at that kind of film. Because it's, it's too political. Spiral does have moments like that because you know you've got the black cop who is kind of alienated by the rest of the force of all different ethnicities though I guess predominantly white but they don't but they explain why they they explain why and they don't hit you over the head with it they don't and I think that's what the problem here was with the Twilight Zone episode was that there was in the Twilight Zone episode the the, the setup is happened to anybody and my favourite ones always happened to people an ordinary person just going about their business and something extraordinary happens to them and they have some kind of comeuppance be it good be it Bad, vengeful, whimsical, comedic. I mean, they, they covered it all. But there was usually a twist or there was a strong moral. Now, in the Twilight Zone episode I'm talking about, the plane did actually crack. It was more of a, a hijack movie dressed up as a Twilight Zone movie by having an MP3 chucked in there. 
And this guy, everybody survives mm. apart from this guy. And we find out that everybody had survived, including the guy. The other passengers kind of ganged up on him, lynched him, stoned him to death. They murdered him and presumably hit the body, hid the body because they, they, they never found the body. So is the moral that if you think a plane's going down, that the other passengers will kill you? What kind of lesson is that? But it was it was just badly written, badly directed, badly executed, I, and just not worth watching. I understand that you know you, you know you look at the past because if you don't look to the past, you don't repeat them. Blah, yes, blah, blah. Yes. I, I get that. But with Jordan Peele, it's nothing positive. That kind of this is what we should be aiming for. It this is everything that's wrong. This is everything. There's that's no wrong. optimism. That There's things no will optimism. Get At best, the the best compliment I can give on the films, which I've seen them all that he's done, mm. and the TV series. Me personally, no talent hat. Very very mediocre at best. It, it's nothing. It's groundbreaking there. It's, you know, um, I'll go as far as to say, if you want to talk about, like, political things and looking at the world, um, the Will Smith show, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that came out years ago. Oh, yeah. Some of those episodes, he could learn a lot from. <laughs> because they are better than anything he's yeah, ever done. Yeah, I do like them. But there are some where they change gear. Mm. Like, it's funny. But there's some where they hit on something real and it has that impact. Yeah. Whereas I suppose that the fact that it's ostensibly a a comedy show that sometimes turns serious yeah. makes it more effective. Yeah. See that was fantastic. And I think that John Beale could learn a lot from it. Mm. Okay. Um right, so I watched uh The Twilight Zone. And I've also seen a couple of movies on Netflix. Have e oh, you did? You watched it with me. Um, but what about you, Tiff? Have you seen Army of the Dead yet? No. Oh, you need to see that. Uh, Zack Snyder of the Marvel movie. No, not the Marvel movie universe. The DC movie you. universe. Um, wrote and directed what might be one of the best zombie movies ever. This is second You sense. have spoken to about about it before with me. But you haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't seen Are it Are you yet. going to? Yeah, I probably will. Dave Batista on WWE fame heads up a team going into a zombified Las Vegas to steal the money from the casinos. And the place has been blocked off it's got kind of a, a COVID vibe to it because the zombie outbreak has been limited to Las Vegas mm -hmm. and there's a wall around it and it's highly contagious if they bite you. Um, but uh, they go in. It's The dialogue is very comedic. 
it's not your normal zombie film where you've got a hardy band of survivors with the zombies only being there as a a reason for them to have to get together. I mean, the zombies have more to do. Yeah. Um, you know these Las Vegas shows that have tigers like Siegfried and Roy? Yeah. There's a zombie tiger. <laughs> uh, one of the zombie leaders also rides a zombie horse. <laughs> and when you think that this is oh, Jesus. a Netflix um, thing, which I don't mean to be disparaging, it has had a theatrical release. It has had a theatrical release, but you'd, it's better. It's a better movie than I thought it would be. Because the first Netflix movie that I think we saw was called Bright, and it was with Will Smith. Yeah. And it was about two, maybe three Christmases ago. Yeah. And it was okay. And that's about as much as I can say about it. But the products that they're giving us these days are so much better. Mm. So, so much better. Another one I've seen was released this past Monday and is called Awake. And I'll be covering that in more detail with Richard Fitzwilliams and Alex tomorrow morning. But an electromagnetic pulse takes out all the machinery. Apart from a few cars that didn't have batteries in them. But it also has another effect. So not only are we back to the Stone Age, but this pulse has affected people's ability to sleep. So you also have the entire population slowly losing its mind because they can't sleep. Even people who have been in comas and unconscious mysteriously wake up and they're unable to sleep. Hmm. It's, it's worth your time. Because as soon as the pulse hits, um, A, it becomes... It's quite a surprise because everything's going along so wonderfully normally very early on in the film. But then you think, oh, we might have seen all this before, you know, post-apocalypse, people turning, you know, feral on each other. But it really is quite different. Yeah. In that in order to save themselves, they're also fighting against insanity. And anybody who can sleep, you know, basically, the human race within a couple of days gets to the stage where they either want to sacrifice her to God or they want to dissect them and find out why they can sleep. Yeah. Which sounds like the way it would go. Um, what have you two been watching on streaming? Of course, the biggie is coming up next. To be honest, I haven't actually, other than um, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, yeah. I've been mainly gaming more than streaming this oh, the past two weeks. Do tell us about your gaming. But before you do that, you know what? I think you'd better let the dog go out. I think she wants a drink. See, this is, this is the thing about doing a live stream with no edits. Stephen is standing, opening the study door. Bo is slowly making her way out. You can leave the door open, Steve. There's no real ambient noise, and we could do the breeze in here anyway. 
So, games. What have you been playing? I've been playing a game called Biomutant. Okay. Uh, basically, you create your own character. It's... Uh, what, from a choice or from scratch? or Kind what? of from scratch, but there's like a preset. Right. And it's kind of part mammal, part lizard thing. Okay. It's kind of hard to describe because even the game creators can't describe what it is. So is this an open world game? It is. Um, the, the I guess the studio that made it is a studio called 101 Games. Yeah. I've got to give them credit because it was a studio of 20 people. And to make a game that size is incredible with the amount of detail things they put in. Okay. The gameplay, though, and the voice acting leaves a lot to be desired. Why? Well, it was advertised all over the place as like this post-apocalyptic sci-fi game. Mm. Where you create your own creatures. So is the Biomutant an alien or, or did he escape from a lab or something? It's... Is there a backstory to him? Not really, just it's kind of it's a bit like Wally. <laughs> okay. That um basically humanity has poisoned whatever the planet and then these come up. Okay, so we we kind of created the these yeah. without meaning to? Yeah. Okay. And humanity itself has been wiped out long ago. And the thing that gets me is that will happen, you know. Hmm. The voice acting and the narrator, you'd swear it's something out of the telegraphy. <laughs> you would swear. Give us an example. Dark and it's night. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. And you've got like this, oh, I forgot what his name was, but this like um, boss fight, which is kind of the main villain of the game that he's supposed to fight. Usually when this happens, say if it's Joker in Arkham or... It's um, the fight that you're building up to yeah. all through the game, is it? Except with this one, it happened randomly in the middle. So once you've had the, let's call it the main event, yeah. what do you do after that? Is, Th this is there is anything else I, to be built up to? This is what I don't understand. So you have this main fight with the character... And it's usually... And this is on PS4? Yeah. It'll trigger a cutscene, which means that a small video will play, and it will kind of sum up some dialogue, or the character will disappear. Nothing happens. So the game's over? Well, no. You then have to go back to talk to another character, and you're basically trying to conquer outposts as well. This is where it gets really... Outposts weird. of what? Basically, like, it's been like a tribal war as well. Between who? Everybody's dead. <laughs> different... <laughs> the biomutants. They're like different factions of them. Okay. This is where it makes no sense. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do some of these um, outposts things, because I thought, it'll be all right. I managed two of them, and an option came on the screen. 
do you want to end the war now? Yeah, right there. Take that. And literally, it pretty much finishes the entire game. Oh. What, just there and then? <laughs> yeah. With no resolution? No, it's like... You've got so these... have, have, have you won the game at that point? I think so, because I've done this. <laughs> I, I would love to know who exactly is this aimed at, because the, the fighting style and the character creator is quite advanced, but the dialogue is aimed for, like, you know, the... Pre-teens. Yeah, that's how I felt about the Harry Potter films because the first one was clearly children's film. I mean, I took you yeah. as children to see it. The second one, also children's film, but by the third and fourth, they were stronger than you know any any Hammer horror movie that I've ever seen. As the stories progressed, they, they, they were they were downright disturbing, and I wouldn't take any child to see them. Like um. Just before, Who are you for? Before that scene, I, um, you know, I, I basically, I, I'm considered that finished now. Because yes, I'm ending the world. Because I, the, the second narrator says, "Daylight, good for seeing things." I'm like, nah. was that a sort of veiled hint that there was something that you should look out for? The narrator just randomly talks about anything. So the narrator's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but the voice actor... Do we know who the voice actor is? I don't know, but he did the voice actor for all of them. Oh. Every character. Oh. And this is where it gets... Where I think as well, it shows that it's not that polished. You know in Sims, you have SimTalk. Yeah. Which is gibberish. Yeah. What is SimTalk? I mean, Sim you it's, mentioned this to me the other day. It's gibberish. And it no, just it's, it is, it's Spanish, but backwards. Why is it... Okay, why is it backwards Spanish? It's basically... Spanish? I'm pretty sure it's Spanish. It is a language, but they've purposely chosen a language and then did it backwards. It's just so you, you don't understand it, basically. It, it's, they don't yeah. want you to understand it. So they what's want the you, point of it? They want you to read what's on the screen instead oh. of just listening. Yeah. And like that, the the characters talk in complete gibberish, so you can't understand it, and the narrator translates. Problem is that usually once you've had that scene, you've got text underneath. Okay. That, you know, well, so you can move along at a quick pace. How how long were you playing this for? Well, on my save it showed eleven hours. That's like almost half a day that you'll never get back. I know. When it... you're on your deathbed, you'll think, why did I spend 11 hours playing Biomutant? From the trailers and the adverts that they came up with, Yeah. I was expecting like a colourful um, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is again post-apocalyptic, but like with these robot dinosaur things. That's what I was expecting. It could give you the right game. <laughs> well, I've been looking online to find out, you know, is there any 
am I kind of like in a unique kind of perspective that don't get it? No one gets it at all. It's like... Is it still in progress? I mean, is it still being added to? It's like, they tell you, build up your character. Okay, fine. But then if you're doing one of these boss fights, they'll give you a mech suit. So a giant robot suit. So why have you spent all that time building your character up after you use a vehicle to win the fight? Uh, can I just interrupt there? Yes. Um, Sims, because I've just Googled it now because I was interested. I, I, I was wrong. Um, basically, their their language is called Simlish, and it's a made-up language from the creator. Gibberish. Um, the creator will write, and basically, he created um, their creator own language. Creator will write what? Will Wright was the creator of Sims who created the language. So of Will Sims. Wright wrote. Yes. Okay. Um, he created that language because changing the Sims words into the player's language would cost a lot of money. So it is it was basically an they, easy way. That's probably why they did on binary gibberish. So what have you been playing lately? I haven't played anything lately. Really. Really? Ah. I I slipped in the disc of Evolve and found myself to be a a a large reptilian monster on an alien planet, uh hunting down, you know, peaceful creatures which I have to eat to build up my strength. And then these like space commandos came out of nowhere and attacked me. And this battle went on for about 20 minutes or more. And it was like explosions all around me. And I, I, I left with a headache, (laughs) but it seems like a good game, but I, it was just like, God, this is intense. (laughs) I, I can see that becoming more and more problem at the moment with games is that they're getting a higher budget coming out. But before, with the PS1, PS2, PS3 to an extent, you would have an instruction manual. Mm. You don't get any. You don't you, even you get don't, a leaflet. you got to make it up as you yeah. go. And I think, in a way, because the reason I find it easier is because I'm, I've been used to things like um, the Sega Mega Drive and like Tomb Raider but on PS1 mm. the jumps and stuff that seem impossible to do say on PS4 I'm looking and thinking really that's it compared to what you used to have to do that's yeah. nothing true 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 right Something that we've all seen. Loki had its first episode this week. Um, it's too really early for us to give out any spoilers. Yeah, um, because largely, we don't really know what's happening. No. Um, but we know that Loki, uh, we pick this up. 
immediately after his escape during the revised timeline of Avengers Endgame, where he uses a Tesseract, and he's fallen foul of basically the Time Police. I think, to be honest, that's as far as you can go into it. That's as far as we can go into it, because we don't really know where it's going to go from here. Anything else would be a spoiler. Well, I, I... I will stand by the fact that he's he he, he was um, the time variance people, but we don't know where it's going to go. We were in exactly the same kind of position with One Division, yeah, where we saw the first episode and. Even though we Im- really immensely enjoyed it for its Leave It to Beaver, I Love Lucy, Bewitched vibe, we didn't really know what it, where it was going other than it had strong vibes of being a 50s, 60s TV sitcom from America. Um, but from what we've seen so far, what do we make of it? It's the most it's the most Marvel show, I think, to date, in a roundabout way, with not feeling like a Marvel show. It, it, it's really hard to describe. I've got good hopes for it. Same, but it, it's hard to go into at the moment because we don't know where it's going. And without going into any it spoiler, it doesn't feel like um, Agents of Shield sort of. No, Agents of Shield. I don't really get into it. I think as well. But I think I really enjoy Loki. With Loki, one of the things that it done, I think, is really well. With it taking place straight after Endgame. Yeah, you have to have seen the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But it gives you enough if you're not that big of a fan of the universe, but you like you Tom Hiddleston. Flashbacks. There's enough of a flashback of that as, right, this is a jumping point. There was a scene where he sees his own timeline as it was, as has been already established yeah. in the Marvel movies, where particularly in Thor the Dark World, he tries to direct the Dark Elves to Thor so that they can kill him. Mm. But mistakenly, he leads them, he directs them to where Freya, um, Rene Russo, his adoptive mother is, and they kill her. And I always felt, because we watched the Dark World again this past week, and I, I felt that's something that he he should really pay for. But he he has never appeared to know that he is guilty of that that would not have happened had it not been for him. Yeah. And of course he 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 looks at his own timeline 
and he, he actually sees it. And he sees his own demise as it was before everything got changed. And what it's changed to, we don't know. Um, at the hands of Thanos. And I, I, I really... He's a villain that I, I, I like. I love to hate. He's so sneaky and underhanded. Yet he's charming as well. But in those few moments... I really felt for him. And, you know, he's he's standing there and he's he's crying. Mm. And possibly because he, he sees for the first time how it all ends, how he was responsible for the death of his own mother, and... I'd stop there. How he never became king. I wouldn't go any further, really. I'm not going to go any further than that. It's... Because in, in that one scene... You've just expanded the character and made the god of mischief kind of more human without taking anything away from him. Mm. So what do you guys think? Well, like I said, we I'm really enjoying it but at the moment. Have no idea where it's going. Yeah. We 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 had no idea where one division was going, and I think in the overall scheme of things, these mini series, because as far as I'm aware, none of them is like season one with another season to follow. They're all one-offs. Um, one division did a marvelous job of expanding to yes, them they're they're. they're they're still second-tier characters in the comics, as far as I'm aware. They certainly were when when I was reading the Avengers continuity. But of expanding them and making them even more relevant, because Wanda became a part of the Marvel Universe in Age of Ultron, and then, other than being the only character who was able to be powerful enough to rock Thanos on his feet, single-handed, in that final battle in Endgame? We we never really saw much of her. She was she was a peripheral character, but it really rounded these characters up, and I I I'm loving the way that these series are filling in the gaps between the episodes you know, the film, that with Division, we know what happened to Vision, we know what can possibly happen to Vision in the future, but she is now in place under the tutelage of Strange, ready for that next Doctor Strange movie. If they go and make another Avengers or the another Captain America film, we know Sam Wilson has now adopted and adapted the costume so Captain America is now a black beat white. Mm. So I'm really curious to see where the Loki series leaves the the Marvel universe because they have introduced these um the time police kind of thing. And with them now established how can they change? 
how, how where do we go in the Marvel universe from here? Because it could be possibly the biggest change and alteration of that continuity that we've seen. And I will go on record and possibly lose several viewers by saying current Doctor Who runner Chris Chibnall could learn a lot about how to run a series about time travel just by watching the first episode of Loki. Mm, yeah. There, I have said it. Sue me if you will. Both kids are now stunned into silence. <laughs> And this has hardly ever happened. But we are coming up to that all-important hour. Well, actually, we've passed it by a minute. So maybe it's time that we said goodbye for this show and picked it all up in another couple of weeks where there will have been more cinema trips. We'll have seen more movies, had more adventures, and so it's a hearty farewell from me, Robin Pierce. Me, Stephen Pierce. And me, Tiff. Who has been quietly strange this time, but I'm hoping we'll make up for it next time. So until that next time, remember stay different, stay weird. <laughs>